Hello folks and welcome to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. My name is Graham Stevens and I really hope that I can bring a smile to your face. Why do only fools and old work Hello there, and welcome back. Take It From Here, often referred to as TIFH, is a British radio comedy programme broadcast by the BBC between 1948 and 1960. It was written by Frank Muir and Dennis Norden, and starred Jimmy Edwards, Dick Bentley and Joy Nichols. When Joy Nichols moved to New York City in 1953, she was replaced by June Whitfield, Alma Cogan. The show is best remembered for introducing the Glums. Through TIFH, Muir and Norden reinvented British post-war radio comedy, amongst other influences. It was one of the first shows with a significant segment consisting of parody of film and book styles, later used extensively in programmes such as Round the Horn and in many television comedy series. Here from 1958, the 10th anniversary show of Take It From Here. Bentley and Jimmy Edwards will be on hand for the next 30 minutes with June Whitfield, Wallace Eaton and the keynotes all inviting you to... Well, listeners, those of you who can still afford to buy the Radio Times will have read that this week's Take It From Here is a special one. Now, uh, any of you here in the studio know in what way? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, you rotten lot. <laughs> you only read the corset advertisements, you lot. <laughs> Tell them, Bentley. Yes. Listeners, today, Take It From Here is ten years old. It's our tenth anniversary. Now, that may not be very epoch-making news to you, but it's a sobering thought for us, I can tell you. Ten years at it. It's a long time, isn't it, Bentley? Oh, it is, Jim. Practically a third of my life. <laughs> you and I, old chum, we're not the same people we were. I admit I've put on a bit of weight in the interim. You've put on a bit round the outer rim, too. <laughs> oh, but so much happens in ten years. That was the year the National Health Service started. Oh, yes. We gave it a bit of publicity, didn't we, to help it along? We did, yes, yes. yes. To the tune of Tico Tico, as I recall. <laughs> Let's see how it wears after ten years. <laughs> For teeth and wigs and specs, you needn't send your checks. Now we've decided that they're all provided free. Your specs and teeth and wigs, the syrup of your figs, will come your way without the payment of a fee. Because wigs and specs and teeth, the state will now be queen. We're all in heaven now that Bevan pays the bills. So teeth and wigs and specs, the nation now collects. Each contribution is a solution to our ills. Although the setup seems to sound an awful sausage, is quite all right to white or white or for a corset. A potion, lotion or brew, perhaps a capsule or two, or an appointment for an ointment or a pill. 
And if you have a spell when you're unwell, well, then you're wealthy. For nowadays it never pays you to be healthy. And, and so, so the, the general, general approbation comes to this notification of a nation waiting patiently for blue John McHugh. By golly, that's a breath of the past. Yeah, we didn't get it right the first time, we no, did, did we? No, no, no. <laughs> we haven't improved. But do you remember what happened after we sang it? One of the big pots in the health service was so bucked about it, he rang up and said if I wanted a pair of glasses, he'd rush them through special priority. Uh, and what happened? Oh, they're due any day now. <laughs> These facts have no comedy value, listeners, but we're just trying to make you feel as old as we do. <laughs> Wake up at the back door! I haven't said that for years, have I? We used to go rather a bundle on cat's phrases, didn't we? I don't remember. You don't re Black Mark, Bentley! <laughs> We're really bashing the old nostalgia now, eh? <laughs> what were the other phrases we used to indulge in? Come on, Jim Edwards. Learn a trade. Oh, oh it's... Uh... It's old Wall. Yeah. Remember old Wall from the building? Yeah, I'll come to offer my congratulations on your tenth, Jim. Oh, yeah. Ah, they'll always be proud of you in the buildings. You know, Mr. Beat, mm. they got a plaque halfway up the wall. Jim Edwards was born here. <laughs> How was he born halfway up the wall? <laughs> I don't know, but it, that's been my state of mind ever since, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you should never have left him. Shouldn't I never? No, you should have stayed where you belong and learned to trade like Alf Sludge. <laughs> Alf Sludge? What a ghastly name. They're coming thick and fast now. And uh, what do I say next? You may ridicule, but Alfie's fixed himself up with a really worthwhile trade. He gives you the steps. Like Victor Sylvester? No, no, no. Steps in the underground. Huh? Look, you know when you go down one of them moving staircases, when you get to the bottom, the steps disappear under a grid thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 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 Well, under there is Alf. <laughs> he picks each step up till he's got an armful, nips up a ladder, and feeds them back one at a time through the grid thing. Beats them back to the grid thing at the top. Yeah. I thought it was an endless belt. So it is. He's belting up and down that ladder all day long. So don't forget, Jim boy, if ever you want to get up them stairs, come on, Jim Edwards. <laughs> that was a good one, was it yeah. not? <laughs> Good old Wall. Yeah. A faithful beast who has served us well. Yeah. In and out of season. <clears throat> what about the other people who've trod the take it from here treadmill during the last ten years? People like Pearl Carr, Alan Dean, Sally Rogers, David Dunhill. David Dunhill, the madcap of the announcer's common room. I used to call him Dunners, didn't I? That's right, yes. And our first orchestra conductor, Frank Cantell. Frank Cantell. I used to call him Cantors. And never forgetting Joy Nichols. Joy Nichols. I used to call her Nick. Miss Nichols. Thank you. And what about the old Alma Cogan there, then, eh? Calm yourself, man. Oh, Jim, those dresses she wore. Oh, absolutely mesmerized the orchestra. You're not kidding. I once saw the cello player gaping at her and trying to tune his cello by twisting his ear. With no success. And you know, 
You know what I think was one of our most fortunate moments? The day June Whitfield joined us. Ah, here, here. Jim, I tell you what I admire so much about June. When she reads a script, she makes it sound so convincing. Oh, absolutely. June has that rare gift of burning sincerity. Let's call her in. Yes. Oh, oh, June. June. Yes, June. Yes. <laughs> June, tell us what it's been like working with us. It has been the most magnificent experience any girl could wish for, and I have enjoyed every precious yes, um, moment. Yes, um, <laughs> your sincerity doesn't seem to be burning quite as bright as usual. Somebody pushed your damper in, dear. No, Jim, I, I just can't read Dick's writing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would you care to join us in this short, nostalgic wallow? Oh, I'd love to, but, well, you must remember one thing, Jim. I don't go back as far as you do. You'd look funny if you did. <laughs> but, June, did you listen to Take It From Here before you joined it? I never missed one program, and I loved every... All right, all right, all right. <laughs> never mind the crib. Is there anything that sort of sticks out? One thing you used to do before I joined up was... Oh, that fellow talking to his girl. Oh, yes, I know what you mean. It, it was a concession we used to make to the more romantic-minded listeners. We used to set the scene as, oh, some tranquil woodland dell. You'd hear the songbirds sing, and if you closed your eyes, you could see the sun-dappled greenery and smell the scent of the wild flowers. And from a fallen tree trunk would come the voice of romance. Oh, my, this. <laughs> oh, my, this, how peaceful it is here in this fold of the world. Just you, me, and that young couple on the verge. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Mm. Uh, shall we partake our picnic now? I have what my landlady calls a road to Mandalay sandwiches. The brawn comes up like thunder. <laughs> and for afters, I have purchased a peach... Each. Here, let me gouge out the brown part of yours with my thumb. Oh, Mavis, how bewitching you look on your heliotrope blouse with the tantalising glimpses of death. It makes me feel so abandoned. I, I could just tear off my boots and run berserk through the bluebells in my naked sock. <laughs> Once said to her boyfriend, fare thee 
Columbus announced when he knew he was bounced. It was swell, Isabel swell. It was just one of those nights, just one of those fabulous flights. A trip to the moon on gossamer wings, just one of those things. If we thought a bit of the end of it when we started painting the town. We'd have been aware that our love affair was too hot not to cool down. So goodbye, dear and amen. Here's hoping we meet now and then. It was great fun, but it was just one of those things. Yes, we did have fun, and there's no harm done. It was one of those fabulous, wonderful, one of those things. Thank you. Thank you, Keynotes. Uh, don't go away. I wish to talk to your leader. Uh, Johnny Johnson. Yes, please. Yes. Johnny, do you think that song was quite the right one for our anniversary program? Well, what was wrong with it, then? Oh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> what I meant, Johnny, was, well, as you and your group have worked with me for ten years, you might have felt like paying some kind of musical tribute. A musical tribute to you? Such as what? Oh, Johnny, you can't ask me to suggest one. Dash it, you know me by now. If I have a fault, which I haven't, it's, uh, it's modesty. But, oh, uh, Mr. Wonderful, or it's delightful, it's delicious, it's de-Bentley. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Here, did you find anything wrong with the song we sang, Jim? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, it's some of the closest harmony I've ever seen. <laughs> but it just seems that the song seemed irrelevant, that's all, irrelevant. Irrelevant? Do you know what that means? <laughs> just one of those things, irrelevant. Yeah. Jim. Take it on me as play-out tune. Every week for ten years, the orchestra have played that for the programme to fade out on. Have they really? Do you mean to say you've never heard them play it? Well, my dear Johnson, by that stage of the proceedings, I'm usually halfway to the boozer. I mean, you know that. <laughs> you know that? Well, I'll tell you what, Jim. What, what, what? Tonight, me and the other keynotes will wait outside the boozer till closing time. Oh, yes. yes. And we'll sing you a special anniversary song as you emerge. Uh. A song that is relevant. <laughs> what is it? Catch a falling star. <laughs> Thank you, Johnston. <laughs> Make a note, Bentley, next week, the stargazers. <laughs> he talks nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> For yes. a singer. Yes. I thought he was quite smart, his observation. However, Jim, it's uh, it's not as easy. You talk about you know getting the stargazers. It's not as easy as all that to replace people in Take It From Here. No. Don't you remember the trouble we had when Joy left? Oh yes, that was a crisis in type affairs, wasn't it? Nineteen fifty-three, that was. Yes. We auditioned hundreds of applicants with no success, and then one evening we went to see a performance of Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion. I say Bernard Shaw's because he wrote it. Yes. And as you were walking home from the theatre. Wonderful show, wasn't it? Mm. You know, Jim, I wonder why they don't make Pygmalion into a musical. A professor of elocution who takes a young Cockney girl and transforms her into a society beauty. They could call it Mayfair Lady. 
Now, look. Bentley, I know more about show business than you'll ever... I tell you this, he would never run. I suppose you're right. Mind you, mind you, it's given me an idea for replacing Joy. Hmm? Suppose we find a girl whom I can transform. A piece of raw human clay whom I can mould into a different shape, like Epstein. Well, I don't want a girl who's shaped like Epstein. <laughs> no, Jim, it's impossible. You're barking up the wrong creek. <laughs> no. Dash it, Bentley, I know I can do it. I'm a professor, too. What do you think I got my degree in elocution for? Eight cornflake packets, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh, no, I never. Oh, no, no, never, clever dick. Listen, open your opera hat. You look as if you're wearing a gramophone record. Oh, thank you. I was finding it hard to balance. I say, aren't we passing through Covent Garden? Oh, so we are. I noticed the smell. Two years. By Joe Bentley. Here's where I'll find my piece of common clay among these coarse barrow bins. Barrow bins? But, Jim, their appearance, their manners. Look at that one skylarking with a fruiterer. He's just done something caddish with a radish. <laughs> oh, Harkater. Oh. oh, Bentley condemned them not for their language. Let's just think of them as angels with dirty phrases. <laughs> here, here, look. What about that girl? The one coming towards us now. Uh, Jim, she's 16 feet tall with a green face. She's balancing eight baskets of cabbages on her head. <laughs> I shall have converse with her. I say, hey, you, working-class wench. <laughs> May hey, I me? talk with you? Me? Yes. Oh! Oh, dear. Oh. oh, my dear, you shouldn't have nodded your head with eight baskets on it. You took a poor old Bentley up to his neck in cabbages. Are you all right, Bentley? All right. <clears throat> First time I've been in the Savoy. <laughs> Here. What are you two after? Well, that's rather a crude way of putting it. All we want... <laughs> all we want is to ask you something. My child, listen. Would you consider joining the cast of Take It From Here? Me? <laughs> Get out of it. Go on, out me way. I'll fit you one across the mush with a bunch of rhubarb. <laughs> Strong. Word for word, what Dame Edith Evans answered. <laughs> Bentley, this is it. This is our girl. Bentley, Bentley, here are you, Dick Bentley. I do have that privilege, yes. <laughs> oh, and you want me to go on the BBC with you? Oh, but Lord Lummy, Governor, you're a dude. I may be a dude now, but, my dear, I too have been through the mill. <laughs> He's what we call mill dude. <laughs> My child! I'm not talking to you, Bentley. I'm talking yeah. to My child, I, Professor Edwards, am going to turn you into a BBC lady. Oh. An elegant, graceful BBC lady. Fit to take your place among Richard Dimbleberry. <laughs> oh, Professor, me? A lady? Oh, wouldn't it be lovely? Oh, it's like some sort of dreamer. I want to pinch myself. Allow me. <laughs> oh, you, you'll never regret this, sir. Oh, bless you. Bless you, God. Oh, Jim, oh. she's kissing my wrist. See? Left a little bit of chewing gum on my Mickey Mouse watch. <laughs> Get up, child. We must start work immediately. Now then, now then. Now, what's your name? April Easter Meadow. Oh, my word. You'll never get anywhere in radio with a name like that. Now, Bentley, think. Yes. A name that's more sophisticated than April Easter Meadow. 
Well, suppose we change April to June, Easter to wit, and meadow to field. June, wit, field. Well done, Benters. Come, child, to work. And so June Whitfield's elocution lesson started. To improve the projection of her voice, the professor made her go outside every evening and declaim a speech with her mouth filled with pebbles. It worked beautifully till the evening she got hiccups and broke three windows. <laughs> and all day long, the professor worked remorselessly to improve her diction. Ah, now, brown cow. Ah, now, brown cow. Oh, dear. The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. Oh, next, next. Arfidary for Nampshire. Oh, dear. Stewed prunes and prisms. Stewed... No, 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 no. Prisms. 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 <laughs> Your vowel sounds are slipping again. You must remember, to succeed in taking from here, it's essential to be vowel-minded. <laughs> My good girl, watch my mouth. Yes, sir. Boo, stewed prunes. Boo, stewed prunes. Oh. Notice how I get stewed before even touching prunes. <laughs> now, observe my lips. Every evening, Aunt Ada's Adam's apple oscillate. Every evening, Aunt Ada's Adam's apple oscillate. Boy, you don't know it's difficult for me, Professor. It's pretty embarrassing for Uncle Ted. <laughs> These things have got to be faced, my dear. Now then, with me. I had to miss the next three weeks of June's training as I was on holiday in the south of France, where I spent the whole of the last week swimming underwater. My bathing trunks had slipped off. <laughs> and when I got back to the professor's, I found him so excited that his moustache was drooping over his mouth. When he spoke, his words were strained. Like a miracle. Just wait till you hear. June, June! You remember this sunburned gentleman, don't you? Oh, yes. How now, brown cow? <laughs> Jimmy, you've done it. You've done it. By Jove, old man, you've done it. Yes. Miss Whitfield, please. Please. Speak me a little more, diction. Certainly. Who will set light to the bishop's celluloid collar? I will set light to the bishop's celluloid collar. See, the bishop's celluloid collar is ablaze. Well, Bentley, holy smoke. <laughs> and so, listeners, the Pygmalion story came true. The producer of Take It From Here was intrigued by June's history. When he saw her, he was even more intrigued by her geography. <laughs> she got the job. Yes, if it weren't for Jim, I'd still be carrying cabbage baskets in dirty old cotton garden. Oh, come now. At nearly twice the money I'm getting now. <laughs> oh, please don't thank me. The way I look at it, we, we found a little wildflower growing in common clay. If that little wildflower has today grown into a choice bloom, well, that's, that's nature's work, not mine. I think of myself as just the fertilizer. <laughs> and I'm sure that's how we all think of it. <laughs> Well, now, what are we going to do to end this birthday treat? Perhaps our beloved producer, Charles Maxwell, is the man to choose our last Ooh. item. Let's ask him up, shall we? Charles, Charles, yeah. would you care to step up and talk on the wireless? Oh, <laughs> thank you. 
Well, listeners... A bit I... nearer the microphone, Charles. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Well, listeners... You, honestly, you would think he'd know, oh. wouldn't you? <laughs> Go on, Charles, speak up. Thank you. Yeah. Well, listeners, this is Take It From Here's 10th anniversary. Told them we that. Told them that. Oh, yeah. If they don't know now, they haven't switched on. <laughs> what have you been doing in that fish tank there? Don't you listen to what we say? <clears throat> Do you mind if I get on? Oh, ah, oh. Did you hear that? Get on. Huh. You got on all right. If it wasn't for us, you'd still be doing sound effects on midday music hall. <laughs> yes, maybe, but if it wasn't for me, you'd still be in that non-stop nude show. Um, and you know. what's wrong with that? I still go there in my dreams. <laughs> oh, if I'd known then what I know now. Oh, <laughs> they'd never have had me. I say, um, <clears throat> do you want me to announce this last I'm item? Not yes, Charles. <laughs> Hang on. He's forgotten yes. his Scottish accent, and not he? Yes. I know, you leave it to me, Charles. We do want you. Ten years we've had it. Oh, <laughs> murder. Yes. Silence for Charles. Shut <coughs> up, eh? Yes, Thank silence. You. Well, uh, listeners, of all the pieces which we have been performed in, take it from here in the last ten years... What, what programme? Yes. Take it from here. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one that uh, we've had most requests to do again is a musical idea. Full stop. That's Full right. stop. <laughs> <clears throat> Back in 1951... Oh! <laughs> Back in 1951, we suggested that BBC weather forecasts might attract more listeners if they were sung rather than spoke. Oh, oh yeah. good idea. Oh, yeah. So from this point, we got onto the idea of presenting the weather forecast in operatic terms. So here, with Jimmy and Dick's permission, is <laughs> Tyfe's operatic weather uh, forecast. Oh, down. South Tones have been hoisted in areas high. Dog of Bank, Hebrides and Thames, Dover Straits and Portland Bight. The winds bearing north near the curve of the port. But it's bright nearly every night round the Isle of Wight. Holy Goland has had a fall of snow, forty below, near Scarf of Law. And from Iceland there's enough cold air in store to freeze the knocker of a door. Did you say off a door? Yes, off a door. Right off the great big... Dog. In Ross and Finster, the outlook is sinister. Rock all in London will clear up by Monday. <laughs> There's poor visibility from this to chromatic. First next to Pharaohs, the fog's getting black. You can't see your hand, can't see your hand behind your back. Taking the temperature with a thermometer, centigrade Fahrenheit, where's the barometer, check the velocities, what are dead losses, mucking about on the ministry room. <laughs> The mercury sunk to the figure-o. Figure-o. Figure-o? Figure-o. 
Figaro, 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 Figaro. So we come to the end of the ship's forecast, which is no heavy rain, but an icy blast with the mariner's brain, the stormy bone. Could they know? It's even worse at home, at home. It's worse. It's even worse at home. <laughs> My moustache got in the way at the last minute. <laughs> May we just return for this brief moment to thank all you listeners for your much-valued support during the past ten years. We have always endeavoured to see that our entertainment is wholesome, healthy, and dead clean. <laughs> oh, Bentley, keep it credible. <laughs> what we are trying to say in our old-fashioned little way, is deep sincerity, yeah. is if we ever have caused hurt, wounded any of your feelings, or in any way given offence... Thank, Thank you, you and good night. <laughs> Harry Rabinowitz and the BBC Review Orchestra bring our recorded show to a close. Those involved were Dick Bentley, Professor Jimmy Edwards and June Whitfield, encouraged by Wallace Eaton and the keynotes. Frank Muir and Dennis Norton wrote the script and the programme was produced by Charles Maxwell. We all invite you to tune in again next week and take it from me. You are listening to The Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. And that was the 10th anniversary show of Take It From Here. Also written by Frank Muir and Dennis Norden and also starring Jimmy Edwards is this next one, Wacko. We present Wacko, starring Professor Jimmy Edwards and featuring the staff and pupils of Chiselbury School for the Sons of Gentlefolk, a venerable old pile whose corridors have for countless generations echoed to the scampering of little feet, and this despite the best efforts of the local rodent exterminator. One of the main Christian virtues instilled into Chisbury boys is that of charity, which, as the headmaster had so often said, begins at home and frequently ends there. But not invariably, as is demonstrated now as we take you over to the music room where auditions are being held for an impending charity concert. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, Max Jaffa. Thank you, Perkins. We've heard enough. Perkins, that'll do. That'll do. Stop. Bell up. You cut my violin strings. I'd have cut your throat if I'd heard any more. <laughs> Don't call us, we'll call you. Yes, sir. How many more stars of tomorrow? Well, there's still a few hit marks. Ah, yes. I see that. Yes, the next is Rawlinson, from Lower Third. Oh, yes. He builds himself as an impressionist. Really, men? Yes. Come in, Rawlinson. I'll stop when you like. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> the morning starts on the farm with the chirruping of the birds. And the cackling of the chickens. <laughs> Over in the meadow, we hear the sheep and the cows. Moo! Moo! And isn't this old rover, the sheepdog, coming towards us? No, it isn't. As we look closer... As we look closer, we see that it is a well-known figure. And what's he saying? 
Work up there at the back. <laughs> I should now like to play a little number entitled Tubby on the Tuba. Wacko! That's very good, Rawlinson. I haven't finished yet, sir. I've got some more lines to deliver. I know you have. A thousand of them! <laughs> Each one saying I must not make mock of my headmaster's impressive physique. Get out! <laughs> I must say, I thought it was rather a huh? <laughs> Next! It's a singing quartet, headmaster. Oh, Lumley, Fitz, Crombie and Taplow. <laughs> they call themselves Les Champignons de la Chanson. Very good. This way, boys. Now, all right, listen to What the blazes do you think you're singing? It's the Eaton Boating Song. I sir. know it's the Eaton Boating Song. What's the game? No game, sir. It's our act for the concert. I should cocoa. Why? What's the matter, sir? What have the scholars of Chisbury come on and advertise Eaton? The opposition? But it's not just a school song, sir. It's famous. It's been on the hit parade. Yes, I must say, Hitmaster, I've heard it several times on the radio. We're not hearing it around here, matey. Les Champignons de la Chanson will not be appearing. Go! Singing mushrooms, indeed. <laughs> oh, Potter, that settles it. Not one act worth putting on. Mr. Dinwiddie's benefit concert is hereby scrubbed. Oh, no, Hitmaster, no. How else are we going to raise money for Mr. Dinwiddie's anniversary present? We can't. You've just had to accept our best wishes. But he, he's been a teacher here for 50 years, and we, we promised him. Who's promised him? Nobody's promised him anything. Have they? Well. Potter, you're looking sheepish. You've got your guilty face on. <laughs> what have you been up to? Well, it was such an opportunity, and he'd love it so much. What have you said that we will give him? Well, uh, a cottage. <laughs> a cottage what? Loaf? <laughs> Pie? No, a cottage. A, a cottage... Cottage. There's one opposite the gate. He's really too old for the hurly-burly of the common room now. It only costs 500 pounds, and we can get it for 50 pounds down payment. Have you taken leave of your nits? Have you gone clean stat, Raven Dulalia? Cottage, a cottage. I was going to buy him a clock. But he'd master. He'd be able to spend his remaining years in peace and quiet. And it wasn't even going to be a big clock. A cottage... I can't get over it. He was so excited when I told him about I'll it. I bet he was. Well, how can we break it to him now that it's all? Not we. You, matey. Your job. Nothing to do with me at all. Oh, excuse me, headmaster. Oh, hello, Mr. Dimwitty. Uh, I wanted to talk to you. Not me, Mr. Dimwitty. Him. Him, the property dealer. Yes, I meant to come earlier, but I took the wrong path from the physics lab. <laughs> <laughs> Only been here 50 years. <laughs> I felt I had to say something to your headmaster about that cottage. Yes, well, now, before you start... No, no, please, I... please, please. I'll be quite honest with you, headmaster. Many's the time I've looked at you and thought to myself, what an uncouth, loud-mouthed bully the man is. <laughs> <laughs> but when Mr. Potter told me of your plan to buy me this cottage... My plan? And I was ashamed, headmaster. Ashamed, sir... You are a gentleman. 
<laughs> For what the knowledge may be worth to you, you've made an old man very happy. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Mr. Dinwiddie, I have some bad news for you. Bad news? I'm afraid we can't raise the money. Just a minute. Who says we can't? Well, you did. You said the concerts... There are other ways of raising money besides concerts. Mr. Dinwiddie, trip along to the common room. There's a good chance. Come on, that's it. You you turn left when you go out, up the stairs, along the corridor. You can't miss it. Thank you again for my little cottage. Don't mention it. Nothing at all. Off you go. Headmaster, I just don't understand you sometimes. You were so withering about the idea before Mr. Dinwiddie came in. Potter, when he said, you have made an old man very happy, well, I... I've never been in a position to do that before. I've cheered up a few old women in my time. (laughs) We'll raise that 50 quid deposit. In fact, we'll raise the whole whole 500. But how, Headmaster? I have a glimmer already. Swing, swing together with your backs between your... So, so that made that made the hit parade, eh? Well, according to the boys, yes. Yes, which means that Eton College must have collected a nice fat royalty check. Well, now, I think the world of popular music is ripe for another traditional boating song. The Chiselbury boating song. But there's no such song. There will be in a couple of hours. Where's my pen? But we don't do boating, Headmaster. We haven't got anything to boat on. Is our property, or is it not bounded by the banks of the River Chisel? Well, yes, but, but the Chisel's only three feet wide, and there's no water in it. <laughs> it's down on the ordnance map as a river, and where there's a river, there's boating. And where there's boating, there's a boating song. Give me until half past four, then bring me a batch of boys who can sing. Now, let's get at this piano. No, no. All right, here you are, boys. Now, here are the words of the song. Study them carefully. Yes, because you'll be the background choir, so pay attention. But we don't know how the song goes, sir. Nobody does yet. It's only ten minutes old. But I tell you this, it's a winner. Introduction, please, Mr. Halliford. <laughs> Sun on the river shining. See how the waters gleam. While with our strength combining, we pull against the stream. See how the willows quiver. As merrily past we float. For we're all on the same river. We're all on the same boat. Come all together. Yes, we're all on the same river. We're all on the same boat. Thank you. Now, gentlemen, remember this moment. In the next few weeks, when you hear that melody blaring out of Housewife's Choice, you can turn to each other and say, listen, they're playing our tune. There's just one thing, sir. Is the record going to be you singing? Oh, whom other else then but? <laughs> Accompanied, of course, by you lot. In that case, sir, it won't mean a light. Eh? Watch it, Phipps. This isn't the only kind of hit I can produce. But it's no disrespect, sir. It's true, isn't it, chap? Yes, yes sir. sir. Well, you see, sir, your voice just isn't commercial. We buy a lot of records, and we know. Well, all right, then. We'll have somebody else to sing it. There's a thousand singers. We're going to earn a couple of quid on the side. What about Sinatra? <laughs> the 
that song's a dead cert for Sinatra. You can't hire people like that for a couple of pounds. They'll probably want hundreds. We can't pay hundreds, Lumley. There'd be nothing left for Mr. Dinwiddie. Sure, Lumley, what a take on this music composing is. No wonder Schubert didn't bother to finish his symphony. <laughs> no money in it. We can't let Mr. Dinwiddie down. Well, what else can we do? The record won't sell unless we get somebody expensive to sing it. And if we do get somebody expensive, we don't make any profit. Unless... Wait a minute. Oh, headmaster, you've got a little twinkle. <laughs> I've had a thought. Suppose the star didn't realise he was making a record. Suppose he just, as it were, borrowed his voice. I'm not with you, headmaster. Well, you never are. Try and catch up. <laughs> now, listen, you boys, you're the musical know-it-alls around here. Whose voice has sold more records than anybody else? Country, sir. Oh, no, in Bangkok, I admit. <laughs> of course, I mean in this flipping country. Well, sir, I'd say for total sales, Vera Lynn. Oh, yes, Vera Lynn, a female. Well, it doesn't matter, I suppose we can still do it. Do what, headmaster? All will become clear as the situation progresses. Uh, take a letter, Potter. Dear Madam Lynn, you will not have heard of me, but I have a favour to ask you. <laughs> Favour to ask. Hey, listen to this, Harry. A weird letter from the headmaster of Chiswick School. I bet you he's written a song and wants you to sing it. I'll get it. <laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Ah, my dear Miss Lynn, how very kind of you to see me. As a matter of fact, I believe we have met um, eight years ago at the Burma reunion at the Albert Hall. <laughs> really? Yes, you stepped over me. <laughs> <laughs> Memory I always treasured. <laughs> oh, dear, 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 my taxi. <laughs> I wonder if you could spare a signed photograph for my taxi driver. He's being a bit abusive about his tip. <laughs> I'll say so. What a well-spoken butler you have. <laughs> that is my husband. Oh, your husband? Yes. I thought he had egg on his tie. Yes, 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 yes. Now, what is this all about, Professor? Because I really haven't very much time. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Of course. I, I shall come straight to the point. Oh, by the way, is this piece of toast going begging? Oh, no, do help yourself. <laughs> there was no buffet on the uh, workman's. For <laughs> <laughs> now, Miss Lynn, yes. you have it within your power to make an old man very happy. No, 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 not me. I'm talking about Mr. Dimwitty. Mr. Dimwitty? Well, Mr. Dimwitty is my junior classics master. Oh, I should say was. He is now very old and frail, and his race has been run. All that's left for him now is to lie in his little truckle bed and wait patiently until they call his name in the great register up yonder. Oh, isn't that pathetic? The heart of ending is it. Oh, is your husband going to have that last sausage? No, no, oh, no. I <laughs> Very partial to a banger. <laughs> well, now, as I was about to say, throughout his very humble life, Mr. Dimwitty has had but two passions. The welfare of his pupils and the voice of Vera Lynn. Oh, really? Miss Lynn, I must come instantly to the point of my visit. Yesterday, as I was spooning Mr. Dimwitty his broth, Cradling his poor old bald head in the crook of me elbow, he beckoned me closer, which was impossible at the time. And he whispered, Headmaster, I have only one wish. I wish that before I go, go, I could hear my beloved Vera Lynn sing the song that means more to me than any other, the Chiselbury Boating Song. The Chiselbury Boating Song? Oh, I've never heard of it. I know the Eton boating song. Ah, a dead pinch. <laughs> there you are, Miss Lynn. That is what an old schoolmaster lies wishing. 
Well, it's very touching, but what can I do about it? Miss Lynn, I wonder if you've ever heard the expression, wishing will make it so. Oh, it's the title of one of my songs. No, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. I might have known. There's more than chance that guided my footsteps here. Then you'll do it? I'll do what? You'll come down to Chiselbury and sing our boating song at Mr. Dimwitty's bedside. Oh, well, of course I'd like to, but you know I've got... I knew you would! I knew you would! That's what makes a great star. Harp! That's where you got it there! Harp! Right and over... <laughs> right over the diary and the propelling pencil there. Harp! I'll expect you this evening then, as they say in that ghastly song, we'll meet again! Au revoir! Oh, dear. What have I let myself in for? I don't understand what's going on at all, Mr. Potter. What's the idea? I don't want to go to bed at this hour. Oh, now, Mr. Dinwiddie, just let me tuck you in. Yeah. It's all in aid of your cottage. But I don't want to stay here in bed. I'll miss the Lone Ranger. Oh, it's, the <laughs> it's the headmaster's wish, Mr. Dinwiddie. And anyway, you know, he really doesn't approve of your watching so much television. Oh, what's all this about singing? I hate singing. You don't have to sing. Oh. You're going to be sung, too. You've heard of Vera Lynn? Oh, yes, 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 of course I have. It's the old Roman name for St. Albans. <laughs> no, no, Mr. Dinwiddie, that's Vera Lanium. This is Vera... L oh, oh, I do hope it's going to be all right. Well, here's the tape recorder and it's working beautifully. Whip the bedclothes off him. Oh, I say, what are you doing? Shut uh, you lie flat, don't ask any questions. Oh. Now then, we'll put the tape recorder on your tummy there. Oh. <laughs> put the bedclothes back. Uh, and you hold this microphone just under the top of the sheet, Mr. Dimwitty. Nobody hit master. What is all this for? Five hundred nicker. That's what it's for. Mr. Dimwitty, listen to this. <laughs> Shortly, in a few minutes, there'll be a young lady in here. And she's going to sing to you. All you've got to do is lie still and keep that microphone there so that it can record her singing. The machine makes rather a bulge, doesn't it? Where can we put it? Oh, master, Miss Vera Lynn has just arrived. Oh, crumbs. Here, Potter, get the recorder under the bed. Mm. And don't forget to switch it on. Come on, Tennyson. Oh, dear. Excuse me, Mr. Dinwiddie. I'll leave you with this. I think I'll just go underneath. Well, I don't understand what all this is about. And I'm not staying to find out either. Oh, it's time for the Lone Ranger. Hope there's Indians this week. I like the Indians. There. I think that's nicely out of sight. Now, if you'll hold this microphone again, Mr. Din... Mr. Din... Mr. Dinwiddie! Mr. Dinwiddie, where are you? Yes, these are the master's bedroom. Zero Dinwiddie's is just at the end. Oh, for heaven, they're coming. What can I do? What... Well, there's only one thing for it. I'll have to be Mr. Dinwiddie. Oh, thank heaven, he let his nightcap behind. I'll put that on. Now, if I can keep the sheet pulled up... Oh, I've forgotten to switch on the tape recorder. Well, here he is. Here's the old gentleman. I... Potter. Potter? Uh, re. Uh, pottery. Uh, pottery. I was, I was just inviting you to admire the old gentleman's collection. <laughs> Fine example of a Victorian bedroom set, you see. The jug, the bowl, the... Uh, <laughs> the uh... But never mind that. Uh, this is what you've come to see, our dear old Mr. Dinwiddie. Oh, I'm very glad to meet you, Mr. Dinwiddie. The headmaster told me all about you. You know... I know you told me that he was very ill, Professor, but it's a shock to see anybody looking as bad as this. It's a shock for both of us. <laughs> Mr. Dimwiddie, I can see complications have set in, uh, but is everything else fixed up? Uh, no, not switched on. Uh, what's not switched on, Mr. Dinwiddie? The tape recorder. <laughs> of course, of course, the tape recorder. The what? <laughs> the tape recorder. It's an Italian electric blanket. <laughs> New type. Works off the gas. 
All right, Mr. Dinwiddie, I'll switch it on. Excuse me, Miss Inn. There we are. Now, just rest easy, Mr. Dinwiddie. Miss Lynn is going to sing the Chiselbury boating song especially for you. Uh, what do I do about the accompaniment? Oh, yes, it is a problem, isn't it? What can we do? Let me think now. Let's see. Good heavens, what a happy chance. There just happens to be a piano in the corridor. Oh, good. And, oh, look, isn't that school choir walking past? <laughs> Don't go, boys. Here's an idea, Miss Lynn. Yes? Uh, they can sing with you, so if you're ready. Oh, yes. Just about this distance from, my, from the hearing aid, yes. I think. Good. All right, Miss Halliford. One, a two, a three. Sun on the river shining. See how the waters gleam. While without strength combining, we pull against the stream. See how the willows quiver As merrily past we float For we're all on the same river We're all on the same boat Yes, we're all on the same river We're all in the same boat. Right, cut. Thank you, Miss Lynn. The car's ready to take you back. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think I ought to rush away quite like that. Shouldn't I sit down with Mr. Dinwiddie for a little while? Oh, no, I think he'd better have a sleep now. The excitement, you know, probably exhausted him. You're tired, aren't you, Mr. Dinwiddie? Yes, Headmaster. Oh, well, goodbye then, Mr. Dinwiddie. Do look after yourself. Mm. And goodbye to you, Professor Edwards. Goodbye, Miss Lynn. A thousand thanks for your great-hearted gesture. This way out, if you will. <laughs> My day's mixed up. It wasn't the Lone Ranger. It was Dixon of Doc Green. <laughs> Get out. Who was that? Uh, the school captain. <laughs> he, he's been overworking. <laughs> I should better go this way. Goodbye, Miss Lynn. I'll be the same. I'll be the same. Well, goodbye. Oh, God. I had to act quickly, Headmaster. Doesn't matter. We've done it. Let's get the machine out. There we are. I'll run it back. All we have to do now is to take this to a record company and sell it to them as sung by the matron choir of Chiselbury School. (laughs) There we are. That's about the right place. Now, let's hear how it sounds. Sun oh, it worked, it worked. Shining. See how the water gleams. For we're all on the same river. We're all in the same That not mellifluous? Mm, yes. <laughs> so it's got uh, possibilities, Professor Edwards. That uh, matron of yours, it's uh, quite a voice. Uh, got a sort of um, Vera Lynn quality. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, Mr. Jessel. We often twit matron about that, don't we, Potter? Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yes, we're twitting yes. her all the time. Well, now, <laughs> we'll give you the rights to make a record of that tape, Mr. Jessel, for 500 pounds. 500? Oh, well, well, I don't know... 
Will the public take another boating song? I mean, we flogged the eaten one to death. That jingle! My our song is over 500 years old. Generations of Chiselbury boys have been singing it since time immoral. Yes. <laughs> that matron's singing is so good. Yes. I, I think I'll chant it. Now, where's my checkbook? Uh, 500, you say? I'm not yes. giving it away. Yes, well, right. Pay Professor James Edwards the sum of... Hello? Yes? To see Professor Edwards? Oh, yes, well, by all means. Well, Professor, <laughs> guess who's in the office asking for you? For me? Hello, Professor. Miss Lynn! Oh. They told me you'd be here. Keep behind me, Potter. <laughs> who, who, who told you, Miss Lynn? Uh, the school. That poor Mr. Dimwitty upset me so much that I rang Chiselberry up this morning to ask how he was. Uh, they told me I'd find you here. Bungling fools. Uh, Vera, I want you to listen to this recording they're just telling me. <laughs> Tell me what you think of this girl's voice. No, don't, don't. <laughs> oh, no, Vera. Vera's too big to worry about imitators. There's only one Vera Lynn. But uh, listen to this, darling. Sun on the river, shiny. Excuse me. So... They're selling you that, are they? Well, it's the, uh, it's the matron of their school singing, you see. She's not bad, is she? Got a lot to learn yet, of course. Uh, but I, I think, uh, I think she's got something that you've got. She's got the lot that I've got. <laughs> now, Professor Edwards, before I ring my lawyer... Lawyer? Miss Lynn, I have a complete answer to any charge you may bring against me. And what is it? Guilty. <laughs> didn't do it for personal gain, Miss Lynn. I swear it. He was just trying to raise 500 pounds to buy a cottage for Mr. Dinwiddie. The old fool in the nightshirt with the Lone Ranger complex. <laughs> He's been 50 years with the school, Miss Lynn. We had to do something for him. You see, we thought a village concert might raise the money. There was nobody good enough to perform. What's all this about? Oh, I'm just trying to work it out for myself. Oh, please don't prosecute. We'll be punished enough by having to tell Mr. Dinwiddie he can't have his little cottage. But I can't see why you went through this elaborate rigmarole. Why didn't you just come to me and explain about the old teacher in the cottage? I don't know. My mind just didn't seem to work that way. <laughs> but do you mean you'd have helped, Miss Lynn? Well, uh, perhaps I can still help. We're all in the same And thank you, too, for turning out in such splendid numbers and donating so much to Mr. Dinwiddie's benefit concert. And thank you, Miss Lynn, for making it all possible. Now, I have here the deeds of the cottage. And I shall now call upon Mr. Dinwiddie, our beloved old friend, in whose honour we are gathered here on this hospital. Where is the old fool? <laughs> coming here, Master, coming here. And I shall now ask Miss Lynn to present you with the deeds. Uh, certainly. There you are, Mr. Dinwiddie. And bless you. I'll get them round to the house agent in the morning. House agent? What house agent? The cottage is yours, you silly old nit. Oh, yes, but the, the house agent is selling it for me. 
Stop selling the cottage? But what for? For 700 pounds. <laughs> it's all fixed up, and for 700 pounds, I can get myself one of those new, great, big, beautiful colour television sets. Just imagine it, Indians in colour. Why are you done it already? After all the oh, trouble we've oh, been to oh, you, God, I almost did Features Professor Jimmy Edwards, the Roddy Moore Droxbury, Frederick Trees, Roger Shepherd, John Coxall, Philip Levermore, David Locke, Kenneth Scrooge, and John Graham. And our special guests, Vera Lynn and Harry Lewis. Edwin Braden supplied the music. The script was adapted by David Climey from the original by Frank Muir and Dennis Norden. And the program was produced by Edward Taylor. You have been listening to The Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. That's all for this week, folks, so until I speak to you again next week, this is Graham Stevens saying, keep smiling. We've got some half-price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs, deep freeze, and David Bowie OPs, pool games, gold chains, wuss names, and Edda Push, some Trevor Francis tracksuits from a mush and shepherd's bush. Push, 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 push. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.